Okay, I'm, I'm willing to go the unpopular route. But I'm a believer in, in, a, uh, in keeping your train of thought. I'm a believer in, in, in keeping focus on the things that matter and things that are important and not just going with uh, the, the, the wind so you, you, you seem popular. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. The Southwest pilot was wrong. I'm just I'm just waiting for the screams. Waiting for people to yell at me for saying that. Just they're gonna, uh, they're going to be so upset. The story goes that there was a pilot Southwest Airlines talking to the passengers were heading east about 107 108 miles an hour. Clear visibility, mostly clear skies, about 77 degrees. Thanks for coming out flying Southwest Airlines. Welcome home and let's go Brandon. Actually said, let's go, Brandon. Now, people know that let's go, Brandon is code for blank Joe Biden. Actually, it's not code. Somebody said it's MAGA code. Dude, uh, no Trump supporter came up with this. It was a reporter speaking to a NASCAR driver, Brandon Brown, and the crowd is chanting blank Joe Biden, which, yeah, all right, I'm not, I'm not cool with it. It, it, is, it is obscene, but it's also free speech. It's also people venting their frustration. It's all the things at once. And they're, they're chanting this blank Joe Biden, and the reporter, uh, this woman is like, well, the crowd is all behind you. They're, 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 they're chanting, let's go, Brandon. How does that make you feel? That's not what they were chanting. And I actually think that she wasn't trying to be political about it. She heard them cursing and just needed to make it work for the audience, thought she could do this. Don't, don't ever lie to your audience. I, that's a little bit of advice from me to you, just so we're clear. Don't lie to your audience. So, so this becomes a thing you want to say or you shouldn't say. Oh, this is what happens. They talk, start talking about let's go, Brandon, and the the big man upstairs cuts you off. <laughs> it couldn't have been uh, better timing. I assume Tony's frantically uh, scrambling right now to uh, to get his connection back. I'm sure by this point he's realized he's no longer on the air. I'll continue the story until hopefully he gets back on the air. Basically, uh, the if Southwest Airline pilot goes, you know, yada, 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 let's go, Brandon. And everyone is like, well, not everyone. The liberal media is like, oh, my gosh, you sick person. How dare you do something like this? You should be fired. You should be thrown in jail and beaten with a stick. Oh. And so then now all the Republicans are saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You know, people are saying blank Donald Trump all this time. And Tony's take, as he's where he just texted me, he goes, working on it. I'm just trying to buy all the time here I can. His take he was telling you before, I will let him do the full version, is basically much like his airplane take. You know, when you're on an airplane, don't screw around. Don't yell at the stewardess. Don't cause a scene. Don't act like you're more important than you are. I feel like this take may extend to the pilot as well. You're there to do a job and to get people flying safely from one area to another. And you may have thought... As a pilot, you're being cheeky and you're being funny, and uh, you're 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 inter- you're entertaining the crowd on the plane. But the reality is, what? Oh, he's big. Are you kidding? I was. Running- I talk about Brandon, and they cut me off. I was. I was trying to fill for time. I was absolutely bsing. It's all you.
Oh my gosh. That's crazy. That so rarely happens that we lose everything in one shot. Uh, I'm not going to stop talking about let's go, Brandon. You, the, the, the people eh, who are trying to silence us cannot silence us. It was a technical issue, people. It happens. It's rare, but it does happen. So here's the let's go, Brandon phraseology out there, right? Everybody now knows what it is. They now know what it's all about. The pilot for Southwest Airlines now comes on and thanks people for being there. Thanks for flying and let's go, Brandon. The pilot is 100% wrong. Completely and totally wrong. You have heard us discuss on this very show. You can't act crazy on a plane. You're not allowed to get into a fight on a plane. You're not allowed to cause a scene on a plane. Plane takes off, the plane lands, you eat your peanuts, and you close your mouth. And oh, by the way, don't wear your pajamas on the plane. Don't wear your yoga pants. You don't have to be that comfortable. You're a grown-up. If you're wearing pajamas, you're doing it wrong. Act like a grown-up. That's all I can ask. And tell your kids to act like grown-ups. I mean, show a little class, a little style, a little something. If we don't want people getting into fights with the flight attendants, which I wholly agree with, I don't want the pilot causing a problem. I don't want the pilot starting a fight. The pilot's going to scream, let's go, Brandon. Some anti-Biden uh, or, or anti-Trump zealot is going to get up and start screaming. I need the pilot taking off and landing. I don't want to know anything about the pilot's personality. Zero. I don't want to know anything about him. I, want to know, I don't want to know who they voted for. I don't want to know where they went to, went to high school. I don't want to know nothing about these people. I just want them to take off and land. And I don't want to be told that the pilot's entitled to some kind of free speech, blah, 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 blah. Of course the pilot is entitled to free speech. On the ground. This is the workplace. You know what else I don't want the pilot doing? Taking a knee. I just want you to fly the plane. That's all. Just fly the plane and leave your personality at home. Leave your beliefs at home. Leave your theory at home. That's all. That's all you have to do. So I can't, if people are like, ha that's funny. You'd be like, okay, that's funny. But the truth is, if they said anything else, if they said, you know, uh, Trump stole the election, the Russians did it, something like that, people would be up in arms. Don't support this stuff. Just tell the pilots to fly. I don't want to be angry at the pilot. I just don't want to hear your thoughts. Midwest Main Street sees things much differently than the rest of America. Selena Zito is scheduled to be with us break down what she's hearing from around the country. This is Tony Katz today. I speak often of Midwest Main Street and that in its most fundamental way, we have a view of the world that is different. And certainly our view of Washington, D.C. could not be more 180 degrees of Washington, D.C.'s view of us. 
how they look at the Midwest and how they treat the Midwest. And maybe that's wrong to say about D.C. as a whole because there are plenty of representatives from the Midwest. But it is certainly how the media treats. It's certainly how the culture treats. Take a look at how the South is treated. Oh, the South is bigoted. Oh, the South is racist. Oh, the South is terrible. The South is more free than the northern states if we're talking about COVID. So how is that view being looked at? And it plays into a couple of other stories. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's great to be with you. Selena Zito joins us right now. You can read her work at the Washington Examiner. You can also uh, read it uh, at the New York Post. Uh, she's, uh, she's a little bit of, of everywhere. She also does an incredibly good job of traveling the nation, talking to the business owners, talking to the professionals. Her book, The Great Revolt Inside the Populist Coalition, Reshaping American Politics, is available at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. I want to get into this conversation about how the country sees D.C., but you have a piece that caught my eye. Uh, over at the Washington Examiner, Major League Baseball C-suite cowardice. And, of course, that the Atlanta Braves are in the World Series doing so well uh, when it's Atlanta that lost the All-Star game because of wokeness and Georgia's uh, voting laws. It, it's a little bit of a sweet, sweet justice, uh, if you will. But when you discuss C-suite, meaning uh, C-level suite, CEO, COO, things like that, their cowardice, what are you getting at? Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, and, and so what I'm talking about when I say C-suite cowardice, uh, I, and anybody that's been reading me for a while or listened to me on your show, I often talk about um, our cultural curators in this country and what's a cultural curator. Those are the people that control uh, what you see, feel, hear, taste, smell in our culture, in our news, in our entertainment, in our news. In, 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 in our sports entities. And, and you know, the cowardice part comes, and, and, and it's not a shock for, you know, me to repeat essentially what you said in the opening, is that uh, they're very disconnected from the people who sit in their seats or watch their news organizations or buy their products because they don't live, breathe, and eat in the same zip codes that you and I do. And and so in 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 April of this year, uh, Major League Baseball took what they what they framed as a courageous step and took the uh, the All Star Game out of uh, Atlanta because they uh, sort of echoed what the Democrats and what Joe Biden said was that. The new voting law was restrictive and racist. I believe the term they used was Jim Crow point 2.0, which is so insulting to anyone that was ever a victim of Jim Crow. Uh, but, you know, they made this move and, you know, they made a big hoopla about it and and, and put it in a state, by the way, whose law, his voting laws are more restrictive than the new laws in Georgia. And and, you know, you know, sort of made their mark there. Well, if they were being honest and if they were being, you know, um, true to to their stance, they would not have allowed the World Series to be played in 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 Georgia in these past 
uh, few days because the same the, the same law is still standing there, and I would argue there is a larger audience for for the um, for the World Series. So you know there is no punishment for for the Major League Baseball. Uh, for what they did they just can make the stance and then not take the stance again when it really matters but shouldn't the punishment come from the people who say yeah i'm not going shouldn't the punishment come from the people who say i'm not buying from the sponsors we pick one sponsor it's budweiser we don't buy budweiser beer anymore i'm not going after budweiser but i am saying that that could be a conversation we don't see that from people like uh whether you talk about the political right or or maybe uh, a fair uh, swaths of the Midwest or throughout the country because they're disgusted, but they have to get back to work. They're disgusted, but they're moving on with their lives. They can't dedicate that much mental bandwidth to it. That I, I mean, is am I off base there? I think you are, and here's why. The evidence is look at the NFL ratings last year. In fact, look at the NFL ratings since 2016. When they decided to become – a um, a social justice organization as opposed to being a sports organization, their numbers have fallen and they have not come back. Look what happened with the NBA. Same thing. And then and Major League Baseball, it's too, it, we, those 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 con, co- collective numbers haven't been tallied yet, uh, so we don't know the answer there. But we do know that the numbers were down for the All Star Game. So. You know, I think there is a punishment, and I and I think that we do see uh, people moving away from these entities that have decided to take a side. You know, it used to be in American um, um, advertising, Madison Avenue advertising. The first rule of thumb is don't offend anybody, don't pick a side, don't get involved in politics. And now these entities have decided to become social justice warriors. And in that decision, they see the impact on their bottom line. Uh, you know, I had in my book an interview with Mark Cuba. By the way, he was pretty mad at me for this for the story. He didn't like it at all, and he he, he emailed me and told me. But uh, you know, he said, you know, and Mark Cuban is a Pittsburgh native. He owns Dallas uh, Mavericks, and he said in the book, The Great Revolt. He said we made the decision. Um, uh, sports owners to bet on the next generation. Well, the problem is, is the next generation, um, you know, um, Gen Z, um, uh, borderline millennial, but definitely not Gen X or boomers. They don't have the loyalty that uh, that the older generation has to a brand. You know, they're not brand. Um, they're not wedded to a brand in the way maybe you and I were, Tony, when we were growing up. And and so that in lies the problem is no matter how much of a social justice warrior you become, you you have not um, uh, earned that loyalty in the way that your parents or your grandparents were loyal to a brand. And this is going to be a problem for a large um, part of our, um, you know, cultural curators. Talking to Selena Zito, a Washington Examiner, New York Post. Uh, the book you can check out for yourself, The Great Revolt, available at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. Let's talk about this disconnect a little bit. And I never mind you disagreeing with me. Whoever said everyone had to agree with me all the time. That stuff doesn't bother me in the, in the slightest. 
Um, when when we talk about the, the the disconnect, one of the things we see is some some interesting polling. And and I am not somebody who has any faith in polls whatsoever. I've been burned enough. The country has been burned enough. But you see enough data, you can extrapolate some things out. You take a look at NBC. You take a look at ABC discussing uh, Biden being underwater, things being more chaotic than ever before. Then you take a look at what they see about the Democrats with this infrastructure package and this social spending package and say this is going to hurt us more than it's going to help us. So the the political left, and we see this play out in this Virginia governor's race, is betting on anti-Trump sentiment plus uh, radical progressivism as the way forward. And the political right is seems very much to be relying on pointing at that and going, you really want that? What are you, nuts? That seems to be where we're at as you are traveling the country. I'm not sure where you are right now. Last time we spoke to you, you were in Kansas. Uh, What is it that you're hearing from business owners as you last uh, did a report of multiple shops that are out of business on one street? It's really gotten worse. Um, I've spent the actual last couple of weeks in Virginia um, covering that, those races down there, but it it is everywhere. You, You, I mean, you, the oddity is if there's not a sign in front of a business that says help wanted. Uh, people, places are closing early. Places aren't opening during the week because they don't have enough people, um, um, you know, wanting to work. The government is giving everybody free money. Not everybody, but it's giving enough people free money that the workforce has checked out and said, you know what? I make more money staying at home. That's what I'm going to do. I'm I'm just going to be, you know, sort of freeload for a while and, and enjoy myself. And and that creates sort of this subculture in this country uh, that that is going to be tough to come back from that is sort of opposite of that uh, American ethos of, of being having great pride in your work ethic. And it's, it's going to be a cultural problem going forward. Uh, that, that I don't think we've even begun to explore, but I think it's going to be deep and profound. Selena Zito, I appreciate you taking the time. Are, are we are we doing any prognosticating on tomorrow's uh, gubernatorial o- o- election? Glenn Youngkin, the Republican, or Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat? Uh, well, I have I have to do a shameless plug. Please go check out um, the, the reporting I've done from there at selenazito.com. It has sort of everything that I've done. But I, I would think that that Youngkin wins. It's about one point seven, one point eight, maybe two percentage points. Uh, and uh, I would keep an eye on the attorney general's race. Uh, if you remember, the incumbent Democrat is also someone that dressed in blackface. Uh, I think people tend to forget that. He's been in, in, in office two terms. People don't tend to like uh, this is an inside outside election year. People tend to are, are, are sort of pushing back against insiders. So I think the Republican uh, stands a chance and also keep. Uh, look at the balance of power in the House of Delegates. The Democrats won them in 20, well, uh, tied them up in 2017, won them in 2019. Uh, there's a chance that the Republicans can win anywhere between one to five seats. When you take a look at those two statewide offices, I can't get too into the delegates at this uh, moment. When you take a look at those two statewide offices and you say if, if Republicans win, because uh, I would love to see Yonkin win, but I mean, it's still Virginia. So I, I've got to I got to wait till I, I, I see the result there. Uh, you see Republicans win the governor's race and the attorney general's race. What does that signal to Democrats nationwide as they look at 2022? 
it, it signals that they have misread what the voters sent them to Washington for. Voters sent them to Washington to 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 live up to the promise that they made to make things normal and calm. You know, everything was against Trump's comportment and they did not give them a mandate. Democrats barely have a majority in the House. I think it's a four or five seat majority. That's not a majority. Uh, And they don't have a majority in the Senate. The only reason why they have one more vote is because of, of Vice President Harris. So you don't behave like a drunken sailor spending money when you got to the shoreline. You know, you you uh, behave in the way the voters sent. Instead, they are overreaching. And they've also made this election all about Trump. And whether you like Trump, whether you love Trump, whether you don't like him at all, this election cycle is not about him. He is not on the ticket. Democrats and my profession have have overestimated him being on voters' minds and not understood how local elections really are focused. Selena Zito, go to selenazito.com, Z-I-T-O, selenazito.com for more. And the book, The Great Revolt, available at amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. Selena, always a pleasure. We will talk more, and I hope you're right about those elections. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Pete Buttigieg does not understand that the issue is not the spending. Well, Americans, they're they're buying so many goods, don't you know, that we can't keep up. That's not it. That's not it at all. And to say otherwise is just nonsense of the highest order. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today. And when Pete Buttigieg makes claims like this on CNN. Well, we are going to continue to see challenges. The steps that we're taking are making a difference. But uh, think about all of the things that have to happen to get a product to a shelf uh, on time. Uh, fundamentally, it's up to the producers, the shippers, and the retailers. And we're doing everything we can to help them move those goods across the infrastructure that's often outdated. Look, we've got demand that's off the charts. The Retail Federation is predicting an all-time record high in terms of sales. We've got supply, which is, uh, in some cases, actually up but not up uh, enough to keep up with that demand. And then uh, the biggest thing of all, of course, you have the pandemic. The pandemic is poking holes in supply, no matter how good any company or any administration is. We're going to keep working on things like uh, the port issues, smoothing out anything else that is within our control. But the only way we can really put these disruptions behind us is to put the pandemic in the rearview mirror. I don't disagree that your issue is COVID exposing the problems. But the issue is the problems. And when you engage conversations like, well, the demand's just so great, you're not solving anything. You made the ports 24-7 and they're now more, uh, as we've discussed, more, uh, was it, Con- uh, congested. That's the word I'm looking for. You keep talking about the thing that isn't the thing. Our supply chain issues come from having a bad supply chain. Anything could have broken this. It was simply fragile. It is not robust. It is not strong. And we can make it that way. You just have to go about making the changes to make it that way. That's it.
Why isn't Pete Buttigieg willing to have that conversation? Why isn't he willing to say, we need to change fundamentally how we deal with shipping, how we deal with trucking, how we deal with getting the goods. And that may very well involve telling the Longshoremen's Union, you are out of luck. We got to do away with you and what you've done for years. The old school way doesn't work in a new school environment. Why can't they say such a thing? Because they're so beholden to the union that they can't dare speak out against it? Now is the time to be brave. The ports don't work as is. The automation never took place. And you don't have the people. So you gotta change those things. You gotta change those things in order to engage some success and create a better nation. A safer nation, a stronger nation, a nation that simply functions. That's what you have to do. But you don't see Pete Buttigieg being willing to even have that conversation. You think he's having it privately and not publicly? I don't think so at all. I don't think that's the case in the slightest. I think he's afraid of that conversation. It's what happens when you lack leadership. Meanwhile, the press secretary has COVID. And I finally saw The Closer by Dave Chappelle, and it it left me with something. I'll share that with you. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today.